Amen. Me and if you could just have a seat, me and we're just ready to get started here. <laughs> uh, I only like to bug me in because he has got an incredible smile. Look at that guy. Look at that smile. Man, you're good looking. All right. Well, we're, uh, we're in a series right now called Let's Talk About It. As it's been mentioned, we've been talking about mental health. And, and this series is kind of all about talking about things that the church doesn't typically talk about or feel comfortable talking about. And this is the third message now uh, regarding this topic of, of mental health. And something that, that kind of became apparent to me this week is that it's very possible that, that maybe... Uh, someone might have only heard one of these messages or two of these messages or none of these messages. And uh, this might be the first message that you hear today. And, and really, I think to understand the heart of these messages, um, I think it's important to, to, to hear all three. And, uh, and it's, I'd say, probably say especially the first one because it really sets the table for all three. And so there's something, just in case this is the first one that you're, that you're listening to today, there's something that I want to really uh, re-emphasize this morning, and, and that is that there are many causes of mental health issues. There are many causes. And because there are many causes, that means there's also many ways to seek help and healing for these issues. How many of you know that Jesus is our healer? And, and Jesus healed uh, people lots of different ways, didn't he? Sometimes he spoke to the illness directly. Sometimes he just spoke to the person. Sometimes he just sent them to the priest, right? So, sometimes he actually physically touched them, and sometimes he didn't. Sometimes he even rubbed mud in their eyes. Okay, and so we can learn from Jesus that God heals us Many different ways. Is that true? So, so medication, for example, that's a valid way to seek heal, help and healing for mental health, but it's not the only way. Is that true? Counseling is a valid way to seek help and healing for mental health, but it's not the only way. Prayer and deliverance is a valid way to seek help and healing for mental health, but it's not the only way. Right? Diet and sleep and exercise and getting your vitamins are valid ways to seek help and healing for mental health, but that's not the only way. And so last week we talked about the way that God has given us in his word to deal with our mental health, that he's given us instructions to prevent and protect and to heal from mental health issues. How many of you remember what that was? Renew your mind. Thank you, Deacon Thomas. That's right. Okay, to renew our minds. And last week I presented this as the most important thing that we can do for our mental health. And I absolutely believe that renewing our mind is the key to our mental health. But I also don't want to give you the impression that that's the only thing you should do. However... 
Whatever you do to seek help and healing, counseling and meditation, or medication and diet and prayer and all those things, do all of those things and renew your mind. Right? So it's, it's renew your mind plus whatever else you feel is necessary to be healed in your mental health. Every believer needs to do this. Isn't that embarrassing, Jamie Ray, when, <laughs> when you don't turn your phone off? Um, if you want... <laughs> if you want... <laughs> this, this is how you know this is a church family, right? If you want a sound mind, you must renew your mind with the truth of God's word. Okay? It's the only way to have complete victory in our mental health. And the reason God tells us to renew our mind is because of the specific strategy of the enemy, the specific way that the enemy plans to attack us. He wants our soul. Satan is waging war on us every day for our soul. And how many of you know where that battle takes place? In our mind, right? And that's why it's so crucial. It's so crucial to renew our minds every day with the Word of God. Word of God. Go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in verses 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 to 5. It says, For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we're not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Your, your version might say stronghold. We're destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking captive every thought and purpose and sorry, and we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. So this scripture actually teaches us how to renew our minds. Okay? And so number one, we use God-empowered weapons to pull down strongholds. John 8, 44 says, From the beginning the devil was a murderer. He has never obeyed the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks his natural language. He does this because he is a liar. He's the father of lies. How many of you know that Satan is a liar? Right? We speak English. Satan speaks lie. This is his natural language. Okay? The Greek word for Satan is diabolos. Okay? It's not as much a name as a job description. Diabolos means to slander, and to accuse. So Satan comes with accusations and lies, thoughts that are contrary to God's word, and he shoots them against our mind. These are the fiery arrows and the fiery darts it talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6.16 says, in addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And so what happens is if those fiery arrows penetrate our mind, they begin to build a fortress, like it talks about in 2 Corinthians 10, or a 
stronghold. Okay, and each lie, each arrow is like a stone. And so lie after lie and stone after stone, the enemy starts to build a fortress in our mind where the enemy can actually dwell. How many of you want a murderer living in your mind? The enemy can live in that fortress that he has built, that we've allowed the enemy to build stone by stone in our minds. Okay, And so what he does then is at any time he can come out of that fortress and attack us in that area of the stronghold. He keeps us in bondage to that specific lie, that specific pattern of thinking that rages against truth. It rages against God's thoughts, God's will, God's plans, God's word. The Greek word for stronghold describes a prison. We can literally be in a prison. Prisoners in our own mind to the lies and thoughts of the enemy. How many of you know that we have a liberator? Hallelujah. Isaiah 61 in verse 1. The spirit of the Lord and king is on me. The Lord has anointed me to announce good news to the poor. He's sent me to comfort those whose hearts have been broken. He's sent me to announce freedom for those who have been captured. He wants me to set prisoners free from their dark cells. What's the name of our liberator? Who's the one we've been lifting up all morning? What's his name? What's his name? Jesus. I'm talking about J-E-S-U-S. Jesus is our liberator. Jesus came to set the prisoners free. Some of you have been told that there's no way out of your addiction. There's no way out of your bondage. There's no way out of your mental health disorder. That's a lie. That's a lie. Jesus came to set the prisoners free. Acts 10.38 says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. The Greek word there for oppressed. And you're like, we're thinking, why, why do I keep talking about Greek words? And it's really because the New Testament was written in Greek. And so when we understand the Greek language, it helps us to understand what God's trying to say here. So the Greek word for oppressed, it describes a power that is subjugating, overpowering, holding someone down. It describes a tyrant or a wicked king. Where do kings typically live? In a castle, in a fortress, in a stronghold, right? So please understand, Jesus is our liberator. Jesus has come to free us from the bondage of lies built up in our minds. Jesus came to kick out the tyrant king and to tear down his house in our minds. Okay, so number one, we use God-empowered weapons to pull down strongholds. Number two, 
2 Corinthians 10 tells us we need, we need to take every thought captive. And that's what today is about. It's learning how to take every thought captive. Do you know that you are the gatekeeper of your mind? That you're the bouncer? Okay, that you've been given authority and you've been given power to decide what goes in and what gets to stay in there and what needs to come out. You've been given the authority and the power to do that. I always like that illustration that says, we can't stop a bird from flying over our heads, but we can stop a bird from making a nest on top of our head. Right? And so just like we can't stop those fiery arrows from the, from the enemy from coming, we can't stop them from coming, but we absolutely have authority and power to stop them from building a stronghold and a fortress in our mind. We absolutely have the ability to take captive every thought. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for, for today. I thank you for being here. I thank you for being faithful. And God, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for our, our liberator. We thank you for the freedom that we can have in Jesus Christ. And I just pray in the name of Jesus right now that strongholds are going to come down today. Fortresses are going to come down today in Jesus' name. That that tyrant king is going to get kicked out of some minds today in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We declare our freedom today in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Every, amen. So how do we take thoughts captive? Number one is we need to first recognize the lie. We need to first recognize the lie. Okay? And, and, and so the lie is what the enemy is thinking. We need to understand what God is thinking about us. How many of you are familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11? Okay, if you've, if you've graduated from high school in a, in, in, and you belong to a Christian church, you know Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay? Um, but the context of Jeremiah 29, this is when God's people were exiled from Jerusalem and they're, they're captive in Babylon and there's people within the Israelites that are false prophets and there's fortune tellers in Babylon as well. And what they're doing is they're telling God's people lies about God and about them and about their future. And so Jeremiah 29, 11 is actually all about God telling his people the truth about who he is and what he actually thinks of his people. Have you ever, have you ever had someone try to tell you what you think? Yes. <laughs> okay, that, that's what's happening here. Okay, and, and you're like, no, that's not my thought. That, that's not what I was thinking. That's not my intention. That's not my heart. And so that's what God's doing in Jeremiah 29, 11. Right, so he says, for I know the plans I have for you. Stop telling me what I think. I know what I think about you. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, to not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God is 
for you. Hallelujah. Any thought from God will be for you. His thoughts will always prosper you to help you grow and thrive and give you success. He will never hold you back. His thoughts will never harm you or damage you or attack you or condemn you or confine you. The New King James Version says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil. Any thoughts that attack your peace are not from God. Any thought that brings fear and worry and distress and anxiety and confusion and doubt are not from God. But his thoughts will always give you courage. Jesus says, take heart. I've overcome the world. The enemy's thoughts are always going to keep your eyes focused on the problem. God's thoughts always keep your eyes focused on the promise. The enemy's going to try and help you focus on the storm and the wind and the waves, but, but God's going to help you focus on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. His thoughts always give us rest. How many of you know that that, that our good shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures and he leads us beside still waters. God's thoughts give us rest. Any thoughts that leave you lonely and abandoned are not from God because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there. Hallelujah. And his thoughts always give you a hope and a future. God's thoughts will never discourage your faith or lead you to despair. His thoughts never take you backward in your past. That's the role of the accuser. But God always points you forward to redemption and justification and purpose in Jesus Christ. His thoughts will always give you a way out. Do you hear that? If your thoughts ever take you to a dead end, that's not from the Lord. God always will bring you a way out. Hallelujah. So there's three things real quick here that I want to explain that, that I think sometimes makes it difficult, that the enemy does specifically to make it difficult for us to recognize the lie. Okay? Because if we knew, if we knew outright that a thought coming towards us was from the devil, I don't think, we would, I don't think we'd entertain that thought. But the, the enemy does things to try to deceive us so we can't recognize the lie. Okay, And the first one is he presents the lie in first person. Okay, We're, most likely, we're more likely to believe the lie if we think it's coming from us. I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. I'm not worthy of his love. I have no friends. People don't like me. People don't care if I live or die. See, when that's in first person, we think, well, that's, that's, that's my thought. So now that thought's coming from me, so I'm going to entertain that thought. And we're more likely to open the door as the gatekeeper to our mind and welcome a thought and entertain a thought if we know the person at the door bringing the thought. 
right? If we open the door and we see the devil in a red suit and a tail and a pitchfork, we're, we're probably not going to open the door. So that's why the enemy tries to pose as us. But that's also why the enemy poses as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, And no wonder for Satan, mas- him, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. That's the second thing the enemy does. Satan might disguise the lie as something that is holy and even righteous. How many of you have ever heard of a poverty mentality before? Okay. So a poverty mentality, that's, that's a stronghold. It, it's, 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 um, it's a pattern of thinking that says you're only a good Christian, you're only a, God, a godly person if you're poor. It's a mentality of thinking that says that, that you need to be in lack and that it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong if you have money or things. Okay, it brings condemnation and guilt. I knew people that were under guilt and condemnation every time they got something new. And they kept it as a secret and didn't want to tell anyone about it because of this this stronghold of poverty mentality. So the enemy presents that pattern of thinking for this example of poverty mentality. Okay, he presents that pattern of thinking as humility and even righteous. And so the thoughts and the fiery arrows are, my lack is godly. God wants me to be poor because he wants me to be humble. I'm going to have a stronger witness as long as I stay poor. Those are the arrows. Those are the fiery arrows. Okay? And the enemy is going to twist scripture to keep people in that stronghold of poverty thinking. He's going to say things like, money's the root of all evil. Is money the root of all evil? How many of you remember Leon Fontaine? He used to always say, if money was the root of all evil, then God would back up dump trucks of money on our front door. Or sorry, then Satan would back up dump trucks of money. Not God. That didn't make any sense. Right? It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Right? How many of you have been told that rich people don't go to heaven? Because it's, 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 it's as easy for a rich person to go to heaven as what? A camel to pass through the eye of a needle. It doesn't mean rich people can't go to heaven. Right? That, that's, or people that have things or, or money. That scripture is not saying that. It's saying that it's more difficult for a rich person, an unbelieving rich person, to see their need for a savior when they seemingly have everything. Right? But you can still be rich and go to heaven. And, and I'm going to um, make an assumption here that, that actually everyone in this room is probably one of the 2% richest people in the world. So that's good news for us. We get to go to heaven. Right? And so Satan's going to twist the word and he's going to give those half-truths, right? Just like he did to Jesus, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. And the third thing the enemy does is he brings reinforcements. Okay, so the enemy is going to try and use an experience, an experience or he's going to try to use people to reinforce the lie that he's talking to you about in your mind. So he might use your spouse or a friend or a teacher, okay, or a boss or a coworker or whoever. How many of you know who Rick Renner is? Rick Renner, anybody know him? 
couple of three of you, four of you, okay. Um, Rick Renner, he's, got, he's a pastor in a large uh, ministry in Russia, and, and Rick Renner is one of the best Bible teachers I've ever listened to and learned from. Almost everything I know about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, I learned from Rick Renner, okay? And Rick Renner uh, was talking about this teacher that he had that had tremendous resentment towards him. And the reason why is because this teacher, she actually also taught his father, And she had a deep-rooted bitterness towards his father for whatever reason. And so when Rick came into her class, um, uh, she was taking the attendance, and she said, Rick Renner, he said, here, she walked over to him and said, is your father so-and-so Renner? And he said, yes, that's, that's my father's name. Then she said, okay, for now on, your name in this class is stupid. And so every time that she took the attendance, she would call out, stupid Renner. And she, in fact, she even encouraged the other students in the class to call him stupid. So every day, Rick Renner is being called stupid, right? And, and so this was the reinforcement. You see, Rick was already um, feeling like he didn't belong, uh, he, he was a guy that did not appreciate sports. He liked symphony and art. And so he was told all the time, you're weird. Right? And now this experience with the teacher, and now the enemy can say, see, you are a freak. And you're not just weird, you're also stupid. That's how the enemy works. He whispers the lie that he's been telling you to someone else to keep you bound. And so Rick believed the lie. He believed there was something wrong with him. He believed he was stupid. He believed he had no future in any kind of education until he was baptized in fire. When the Holy Spirit came upon him, he said, Every stronghold that had been built was absolutely demolished. So how can that happen? Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And when the Holy Spirit came upon him, when the spirit of truth came upon him, it penetrated to the deep recesses of his soul, and it absolutely broke every lie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Once we recognize, once we recognize the truth, hallelujah, we've got something to fight with. Amen? Amen. So once we recognize the lie from the enemy, now we got to bring it to Jesus. So how do we take captive thoughts? Number one, recognize the lie. Number two, take that lie captive and bring it to Jesus. Okay, so we have two choices when those flaming arrows are coming at us. Okay, we can take them captive and bring them to Jesus, which leads to freedom and a sound mind, or we can invite that lie in. 
and allow it to and, and entertain that lie, which leads to bondage and fear. How many of you know that Canadians are, are very hospitable? Is that true? Canadians are very hospitable. In fact, we have a reputation all over the world of being hospitable and, and nice and kind. Um, about 10 years ago, actually longer than that, a lot of years ago, I was at a conference in Minneapolis, and uh, my friend and I were walking in the morning to the conference, and we came to a corner of a street, and there were some other people there, and uh, I just said, good morning, and I smiled. <laughs> and, uh, and, and this is the look that they gave me. And the one woman said, are you Canadian? And I said, yeah, do I have an accent or something? And she said, no, we're just not that nice. We can't afford to be Canadian when it comes to lies from the enemy. We can't be nice. We can't be hospitable. Right? We can't invite that lie in, entertain it, and let it stay because absolutely that's going to lead to bondage. And this is an important life point for us. Any thought that you don't take captive will take you captive. Any thought that you don't take captive will take you captive. So we can't afford to entertain, but we can immediately take that thought captive and bring it to Jesus. Every thought needs to be examined by God. That Greek word for taking captive describes leading by spear point, by force. It, it, has, that, it has a connotation of violence with it when you take captive a thought. Remember our weapon against every lie is truth, right? It's, it's the word of God. Our weapon is the sword of the spirit. It's got the power to demolish strongholds. Okay, and so when a thought or a lie from the enemy tries to establish itself as a fortress in our mind, we need to put the blade of the sword of the spirit to that lie. Right? And so this is, this is the sword of the spirit. Man, I feel cool right now. I feel so cool. Do I look cool? So cool. A Viking. I like that. I like that. No, I need it. I need that. That's good. Um, Mian, since you love to come and help me with things, could you, could you come up here, buddy? Man, come on, come on up here. Oh, he's he's a little nervous. He's a little nervous. It's pretty sharp. It's pretty sharp. Okay. So remember, taking captive is is to to force by spear point. Okay. In our case, it's by what sword point, right? And, and so, if you turn around, man. 
Okay. So hold on. Hold on. Don't you. Okay, now me and. See, I just made a mic. Why are you. Stop. Stop moving. This might hurt a little. Don't be a baby. Now, now me and you're my captive, right? Okay. Now, if I push on this sword, what's going to happen? He's going to start moving forward, right? And I keep walking. Now, what happens if me and stops? The sword's not going to stop. Does that make sense? So I'm going to lead my captive me in, and I'm going to kind of turn him with my sword. See? Let's go. Let's go for a walk. Hold on, man. I'm going to turn you this way. Well, I don't know. Just keep going. Just get over here. Right. There we go. All right. Let's give him a hand. Okay. <laughs> that broke. And so that's what we do with lies and thoughts of the enemy. Ugh. As long as I don't have to bend over in a fight, I'll be fine. I, uh, we move them. We move them as captives to the obedience of Christ. That's what we do with the lie in the thought from the enemy. Okay, And that word obedience in the Greek means to listen under Christ. That's what it means. To the obedience of Christ literally means to listen under Christ. Every thought needs to sit under Jesus and listen to what he has to say. Every thought that comes in, every lie that comes in has to sit under Jesus and listen to what he's got to say. And then he decides if that thought stays or goes. So we combat the lie with the truth of the word. The lie is you can't be healed. The truth is, by Jesus' stripes, you're already healed. The lie is God doesn't care about you. The truth is God's thoughts about you can't be numbered. The lie is your child is lost. The truth is God brings prodigals home. The lie is you have no value and purpose. The truth is you are God's workmanship. You are God's masterpiece created anew in Jesus Christ to do good works. The lie is your marriage has no hope. The truth is with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. And so if that lie doesn't, if that thought, that lie doesn't line up with the word of God, then it has to go. We can't entertain it for a second longer, but we need to bind it in the name of of Jesus. We need to tie it up. We need to bind it up. We can't allow it to be loose in our minds. We take it captive. We imprison it and we throw away the key. Look at Luke chapter 10 and 19. Jesus says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. How many of you know that Jesus has given us his authority and his power? He's actually given us power of attorney. So when we bind the enemy in the name of Jesus, it's just as if Jesus himself was doing it. 
Because Jesus gave us authority to use his name. Right? So we have authority over all the power of the enemy, including flaming arrows. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. How about that? How many of you are ready to condemn some voices and some words and some lies that have been brought against you? So number one, we recognize the lie. Number two, we take captive the thought and and we bring it to Jesus. And number three is we need to change our thinking. We need to change our thinking. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, believers, what is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good refute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, I think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. So once we bind the lie, we need to replace it with right thinking. We need to replace it with the Word of God. How many of you know that's called biblical meditation? That's what that is. Biblical meditation is one of our most powerful tools to to prevent mental health issues, to, to maintain our mental health, to be healed from mental health. Biblical meditation. Joshua 1.8 says, study this book of instruction continually. Okay, your, your version might say this book of the law. Okay, and so, so the book of the law at that time, that was God's word. So, so, you can, so when you read this, you can understand this is study God's word. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to, do, to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So, so biblical meditation, it means to ponder. It means to reflect. It means to moan or to utter and to mutter. It means to speak the word, to make a quiet sound, to imagine, to study, to examine the word at every angle. It means to roll the scripture over and over and over and over again in your mind. Amen. Right? So you think, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Like, how, how, how do we meditate on the word of God day and night? Let me ask you a question. How many of you ever stayed up all night long worrying about something? Okay, so you know how to meditate. Right? That, that's exactly what it is, right? Except you're, you're, you're meditating on the wrong thing. Okay? Because there's, there's really two things we can meditate on. The Word of God, which leads to faith and an ability to defend yourself against flaming arrows. Or you can meditate on the contradiction to the Word of God. Meditating on the contradiction to the Word of God is worry. That's what worry is. You are meditating on the contradiction to the word of God, which leads to fear and bondage and all kinds of mental health issues. Um, This is a quote from a pastor that I like to listen to. 
He says, if I spend more time in mainstream media than the word of God, then my depression is self-imposed. Hmm. That's not something we we like to talk about. Right? Okay. We need to take responsibility for our own mental health. Everybody hear that? We need to take responsibility for our own mental health. Right? Look at Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 9. It says, And you must think constantly about these commandments I'm giving you today. You must teach them on, to your children and talk about them when you are at home or out for a walk, at bedtime, and the first thing in the morning. Tie them to your finger, wear them on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house. You know why the reason I think that God is using these specific uh, times of the day Okay, when you're at home, when you're out for a walk, or you're on a long commute to work, when you're at bedtime, or when you wake up in the morning, those are the, those are the most meditative times of the day. Right? And so when we meditate, when we think on, when we ponder, when we run the Word of God consistently through our mind, when we meditate on the word day and night, it becomes more than just words on our page. Okay, but it, 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 it gets planted into our hearts. Right now, the truth lives in us. Now we can recognize the lie. Now we can activate the shield of faith. Now we can stand firm against the devil's schemes. Now we can demolish strongholds. Now we can raise the, the sword of the spirit to the throat of the lie, right? Because we've been meditating on the word of God. Now we can have a sound mind. Now we can have a sound mind. Now we can be like the person in Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of Jesus. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf will also not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's the person that meditates on the word of God. Day and night. And now you can be the person that God's called you to be and you can live the life that God's called you to live. And you can absolutely win the battle for your soul. You can win the battle in your mind. And you can live in the victory of Jesus. Hallelujah. On the cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just going to invite our worship team forward at this time. And um, <clears throat> I think what I'd like to do this morning is I'd just like to pray for you. Can I just pray for you this morning? Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hmm. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just declare freedom right now in this room.
in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus, you came to set prisoners free. We declare that in this room in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, you have been showing us through this message, through this series, through the weeks, you've been showing us the lies. Help us to recognize the lie. Show us those, those thoughts that are built up in our minds that are causing us to trip and stumble, that are causing us to stay in bondage. God, show us the lie. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you show us. Show us whatever, whatever is built up in us that needs to come down. Whatever is built up in us that is causing us to have a wrong attitude and a wrong heart that's attacking our faith in you, that's attacking the nature of God, that's attacking the, the, the identity of, of who we are in Jesus Christ. That's causing us to live in fear and anxiety. That's creating all kinds of mental health issues. Show us, show us what it is, Lord. And we take it captive right now in Jesus' name, whatever that lie is whatever that house of lies is, whatever the enemy's trying to, to, to steal and kill and destroy with, we come against it right now in the name of Jesus, in the name that's above every name. We come against it in the name of Jesus. We rebuke those lies in Jesus' name. We take them captive. And now, Lord, I just pray for the spirit of truth to just permeate in this place and to just, just come inside of us and just to, to overwhelm, overwhelm our minds and our spirits, Lord. We just declare the spirit of truth to tear down fortresses in Jesus' name. We declare the spirit of truth to break every chain, to break every lie. Every stronghold must come down in the name of Jesus, in the power and the authority of the truth of your word. Every lie, every stone, not one wall, not one stone remaining in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God, I just pray for every person in this room to live in the freedom that you provided us on the cross, that we're not going to be content with anything but your will and your word and your plans for us. I declare your plans for us. I declare the plans that prosper us, the plans that give us peace, the plans that give us a hope and a future. I declare those plans in Jesus' name over every person in this room. And I come against every lie that the enemy's told since I started preaching in Jesus' name. 
expose those lies in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to end our service uh, with, with worship. And uh, I just want to continue just to stay in the freedom of Jesus this morning. And, uh, and our prayer team, we invite our prayer team forward as well. And if you'd like to come for prayer during this time, then I want to encourage you to do that. Let's worship him.